God is dead. <laughs> Join us next time on Post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. Today we're talking about atheism. Just a quick disclaimer that we're two musicians and composers who like to talk about a bunch of topics that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse. If we say anything that's factually incorrect, or even if you just disagree with us, we really love if you send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know. So Eric, how would you define atheism? Well, atheism is, strictly speaking, atheism means not theistic not religious which means that you do not believe in a god right yeah i think that's that's a pretty good um definition but i think right away we we get into the debate about what the word atheist means because i think there are some misconceptions well what what misconceptions do you see so it's not like a you're not like affirming that something is true like you're not you know, you're not affirming the non-existence of God. You're just not saying anything about, I, I think I, I heard someone describe it as like, I don't know. And neither do you. <laughs> that, that feeling. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. To be making an assertion that there is no God definitively, that would be anti-theism. Yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know if, if that's a word that people <laughs> Some some people actually actually I do we, we we touched on this before actually I do in some senses consider myself to be an anti theist. Interesting. Yeah, I think I remember us talking about that a little bit. Could you say say more about that? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I guess broadly that just means that I do assert that there can be no God, and really, when it what it comes down to is just a semantic debate about the word is <laughs> what, what is means um but uh maybe we'll get more into that later on that's maybe a sidebar yeah well i think it's also i mean obviously it's also a question of how you define god well it's it's also a question of how do you define um no <laughs> is it <laughs> no <laughs> No, I think you're totally right that there is kind of a misconception about the word atheism that a lot of people think it is an assertion that there is no God. And really, it's just a, a personal lack of belief. Yeah, yeah. And some people will say that it's a, 
a belief system, but it, it, like you said, it's, it's simply the lack of, of belief. Right. So that's interesting because I think a lot of people where, where this confusion comes from is that for a lot of people, the default is to have a belief system, to have certain things that you hold to be true regardless, I guess, of evidence. Like how, how would you define belief? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting, interesting question. I know, um, we'll talk about, uh, what are referred to the, as the, the four horsemen of the atheist, uh, or the new atheist apocalypse, something like that. <laughs> um, but, but Sam Harris is definitely someone who's of, of those four. He's, he studied this idea of belief a lot. And, uh, I think literally with like neuroimaging stuff. And so that's something he's really fascinated with is what, you know, what, what's going on in, in people's brains when they quote unquote believe something like what does that what does that mean i think usually Mm. it's it's thinking something about the way the world is that isn't supported by evidence um although you know right away you you can have you know of course you can have beliefs that are supported by evidence i think i think the i think maybe the the word we should be using is faith i think that's more what you're Mm. talking about right faith yeah yeah so how would we define faith then so i think kind of like i was saying belief in something without any kind of evidence i think is how i would say say it did you ever watch that uh tim minchin video of his song thank you god uh did you send that to me <laughs> i i don't know i might not have sent that one it's great uh it's i watched the last hilarious. one you sent or i uh, yeah i watched the i think you might have sent me that one back when we were Yeah, so this guy, Tim Minchin, he's brilliant, an incredible pianist and singer and comedian who has some very salient points about this very topic, about atheism. And in this little stand-up bit he does before his song, Thank You God, he's telling this story about how this guy kind of came up to him in a bar and was like saying, I believe in God, why don't you believe in God? And... Tim says, well, same reason anyone doesn't believe in anything. And, and and then the guy says, you don't go around believing only things that you have evidence for. And Tim's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and then the guy's like, uh, okay, but do you believe in love? And Tim replies, well, love without evidence is it's just stalking. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's kind of kind of brilliant. He is, yeah. I and I think he's got a really, really important point here, which is that belief maybe is some assertion that you have regardless of evidence. Maybe it can be supported by evidence and maybe it doesn't have to be. And maybe faith is specifically when there isn't evidence. Yeah, I think that's how I would say it. I mean, you could even say when it's when it's going against a lot of the evidence, like something like the, the afterlife. Hmm. Like it seems like we kind of have negative evidence for that now that we understand how the brain works and how and how kind of you know how awareness works. That's that kind of thing. Like. Hmm. Yeah, at least like an individual mortal judgment sort of afterlife. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it would be a good time to, for us 
to both kind of talk about our relationship with religion as we were as we were growing up and and stuff mm-hmm. so i think we both had a like similar paths of of being brought up with it and then kind of drifting away from it to definitely one degree to one degree or another yeah so you say your mother was a minister yeah yeah um was or is uh she's still an ordained minister and mm-hmm. um she i know she listens so hi mom <laughs> um yeah we like we like basically anytime i talk to her on the phone now she wants to like talk about one of the episodes it's kind of (laughs) cool hey that's awesome yeah um my mom too a lot of the time (laughs) yeah we we can we edit this part out she she was like she was she was like pretty concerned about the doomer stuff (laughs) Uh (laughs) um not like concerned concerned but just like i don't know she, she was asking a lot of questions about it. <laughs> it's a really concerning topic. Yeah, has, yeah. Uh, I think it has a huge impact on your mental health, potentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so my mom's an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, and she was the children's minister at St. John's United Methodist here in Austin for, I think, nine years or something like that, starting sometime when we were in high school. So I went to that church basically all through high school after we moved to Texas. So we were there pretty much, yeah, like all four years of high school basically. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in middle school and stuff, I I, I think I, I pretty much believed in Christianity to some extent or the other. I think I really only started to like drift away from it and like, I don't know like sophomore or junior year, something like that. And I thought that was kind of kind of going to be it. But as we've talked about <laughs> a couple of times, I think I had, I had my first acid trip in 2015. And that kind of uh, made me less sure that I, I knew exactly what was going on and that the, the that religion didn't have anything to say. Mm. And uh, again, at what point particularly did you leave Christianity? Uh... I mean, it's hard to say, like, mm. I mean, you know, I, I still, I mean, before the pandemic and everything, I could still, you know, do church gigs sometimes and, you know, play on Easter and, and Christmas and that kind of thing, um, trumpet. Um, and I sang it like, I sang in a church choir at St. John's for a good, like, this is, this is like after, um, mm. after I came back from college, I was singing with the, the church choir, like basically every Sunday for, um, for about a year. That's cool. But, but yeah. I guess I meant specifically, at what point did you stop believing in God? Uh, I think definitely by like junior year of high school, I was, I, I didn't believe in anything like that. Right. And, but you kept going to Sunday school or church or whatever. Youth group and yeah, stuff like that. So what, what led this uh, darling lamb astray? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you stop believing? I don't know. I mean, as you know, as you learn more about science, it's inevitable that that you run <laughs> up against people who are who are trying to point out that it's it's so obvious that religion can't really know anything for sure. Like they definitely can't know anything. Um, yeah, like the the you you shouldn't be fool, fooled by how sure religious people feel about what they think is true 
right that 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 because science is so devoted to empirical truth as much as that is a possible thing that it doesn't bear when people claim a certainty that isn't based on reason yeah yeah and of course i mean and and saint john's united methodist and and my mom too i think i think they're you know they're they're both like way on the on the progressive end of things and and you know very very accepting of evolution and and science and and climate change and all that good stuff (laughs) i think you know so so there are there are ways to to reconcile science and and religion theoretically but i think i think that's uh maybe maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into what the the new atheist people think specifically about that kind of thing because i think they they'd probably take a little bit more of a hard line Mm mm-hmm I'm curious though, because uh, I'm just I just like to get a picture of, of what your church experience was like. So you say it's it's fairly progressive. They may be uh, just spitballing here. They believe in like God exists, but not not like a man floating in the sky. Maybe like a more ephemeral, diffuse sense of God. Uh, maybe they believe in uh, intelligent design as opposed to just pure evolution, because things just happen that way. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, part of the cool thing about that church is is like really mixed. Like, you know, not everyone believes the same thing at all. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I, but I I doubt a lot of people there would believe in intelligent design. I feel like they would be, just be more straight up evolution. Oh, cool! Like pure evolution. I I don't you know I don't really know though. But I guess even even as I was kind of moving away from belief in God, I was I was still like appreciating parts of the worship experience and like kind of the the ritualistic elements of it and mm. the sense of community and all that good stuff and you know especially with music because i feel like that is one of the things that can you know help us like transcend <laughs> and mm. and you know reach some higher higher plane of of being your awareness or whatever and and you know if i could if i could do that for people mm. on whatever level they're at then like i, I feel like that's something worth doing definitely yeah, and as, as we'll get to, I mean, like you know, it, there's there's no reason at all that we couldn't construct some like new. I mean, you know, it's been tried with like unitarian unitarianism and that kind of thing, but construct some like very secular kind of movement that has all the same like elements of ritual and community and all that kind of thing. But that's that's way harder than just kind of making christianity like more and more metaphorical and less literal and and Mm -hmm. and and that kind of thing so i mean yeah not just christianity but uh, all religions yeah christianity being the most uh default among americans yeah yeah i think this is maybe one of the the sam harris yeah so he says that 22 percent of the population believes the second coming of christ is the next 50 years and another 22% think that it's probably going to be the next 50 years. <laughs> it's like 22, 22% are, are like absolutely sure. And 22% are pretty sure it's going to happen hmm. within our lifetimes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's, it's, and when you think, I, I think he, he mentions too, like, you know, those people are, are in government and, you know, and all that kind of thing. Um, members mm. of Congress and all that, and... right? So, 
so, yeah, so he, he's he's pretty militant. He uh, he's part of this new atheist movement. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because they're they're called a lot of times they're called the the four horsemen of the atheist apocalypse and stuff like that. Um, mm. But I think did you watch either of like the panel things I sent you? Just the, like a short clip of it. Yeah. So um, I think like the original discussion where that group got christened, I and her CLE, who's the one person in the group who's not like a a, a white dude. Um, like she had to cancel she was supposed to be it was supposed to be like a five part uh or five person discussion and she had some kind of emergency and had to cancel last minute so the the four horsemen name is kind of like just by chance and it's kind of like proto intellectual dark web like that probably a similar audience mm. so these guys take a pretty hard line about not only endorsing atheism but doing so publicly and vocally yeah and and unapologetically i mean to to one degree or another Mm -hmm. right and 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 i guess what is important to me is uh that according to the wikipedia page anyway they are strictly vocal in regards to combating fundamentalism and belief without reason as it appears in government and policy and education. Yeah, yeah, I think I think their stance is basically, you know, you can believe whatever you want in private, but it's undoubtedly going to have start having some effect at at scale when a bunch of people believe the same things and are yeah, like like I like I said like there's people who believe these things like at all levels of government and it's and people are are saying, you know, oh god is the root of all of all laws and like all laws should you know be made made with god in mind that kind of thing and mm-hmm. yeah it's it, in, in its current form at least like christianity and, and fundamentalist christianity i guess excluding you know more progressive groups of people um it, it's hard for that not to affect policy decisions because of things like abortion and, and climate change and mm. uh, stem, stem cell research which is connected to the to abortion um it's kind of by belief in in the that the the soul enters the the zygote at conception mm. which has nothing to do with the bible <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting okay so so it seems to me like to either buy into the militant atheism the new atheism whatever they want to call themselves you kind of immediately are forced into one side of a political spectrum right yeah if if you support if you support them you have to think that abortions are good to have uh, believe in climate change which like everyone does except for well anyway and uh and if you are against them then you have to be like pro-abortion and like whatever other particular policies are across the political divide yeah i don't i mean i don't know if they really make a point out of that it's just it's just kind of that's just kind of a feature of of american politics right now is that these mm-hmm. the these issues get kind of bundled together and if if you know what someone believes about one you can probably predict pretty well what they're going to believe about the rest of them mm-hmm. like it's very it's very rare that you find someone who's uh 
I mean, you know, these people exist, obviously, but but it's it's rare to find someone who is pro-choice and also doesn't believe in climate change. Right. Right. Definitely. I'm curious, though, because about this statement you said a minute ago that fundamentalists or, or I guess, uh, people who believe in re- whatever their religion is, who get into government, into being policymakers and make statements like, it's important to consider God and how uh, God fits into the policies we make. Now, I can see how that could be problematic if the speaker is taking that in a fundamentalist sense that is going to lead them astray and ignore facts as it relates to things such as climate change. But could you consider that it's pretty easy to make an interpretation of that same statement that is not sinister or problematic at all. That's that's an that's an interesting question for sure. I mean, I mean, are are you thinking of just kind of a more progressive version of of one of these religions, or it's like some some other thing entirely? Well, so let's let's take this example of the statement uh, making sure to equate God into the policies now since God is such a variable concept, uh, a lot of people who say they believe in God, maybe they believe it in a sort of abstract sense of positive qualities, such as like justice and intelligence and things like that. Maybe that's what the word God represents. Uh, Maybe by saying God for them, that's shorthand for saying uh, morality, for loving thy neighbor, right? L- loving everyone. And so when you say take God into account, all they're saying is, you know, be righteous and, and like respect other people. Sure, sure. And and I'm sure that is the case for a lot of people. And I think that's totally, totally okay. But I hey. think... good (laughs) but i think you're i think you're kind of falling prey to one of the things uh these guys talk about a lot which is that people like us who are relatively liberal have a hard time understanding that there's like so many people who literally believe in the bible and like literally take it you know as as the word of creator of the universe and are you know trying to live it down to the the letter in some sense or another and like it's not an abstract or like metaphorical thing it's like there is there is a god and jesus was his son and he said do Mm. these things and so so then in a sense this new atheism as they call themselves which i don't know is that a little pretentious i think well i mean i mean i think richard dawkins said in one of these things he didn't like the name because like he doesn't think they're that like they're they don't have any differences with the old atheists (laughs) (laughs) Uh Um, i think that's it's i think it's more of like a media like promotion thing than it is gotcha i mean just like you know but what the press calls them or something i don't know i could be wrong about that right so so anyway so this uh group of militant atheists is then in a sense a reaction specifically against the more extremist fundamentalist religious people as opposed mm-hmm. to all against all of religion right 
Right. Although, I mean, one of the big debates that they get into is over whether moderate religious people are helping or hurting things. Hmm. Right. How's that? So, I mean, you, you could you could make the argument that, you know, the moderate people are helping make people on the more extreme fundamentalist ends of the spectrum, you know, more moderate, and they're kind of keeping them in check a little bit and, you know... Um, helping tone things down but it does i think i think the the i think i think what it gets down to is the idea of like like the core value of of quote unquote respecting someone's religious religious beliefs right because mm-hmm. there's the argument that you should do that it seems yeah it seems easy enough to accept someone's religious beliefs when they're like pretty progressive and you know metaphorical and they don't have a whole lot of negative impact on on the world um but if you then extend that, you know, I'm going to respect your religious beliefs and it's not up for debate um, or, you know, it's like impolite to, to talk about it or to like challenge people. Or do you stop just, you know, letting them believe whatever they want without trying to change their mind? You know, I mean, there, there, there definitely are other arguments for these guys will give for why moderate religion isn't really helping anyone. I don't know if I really believe. Yeah. All of them. I don't know. That, that seems like a kind of a strange statement to me. Because it, it, it almost seems to presuppose that there's like this overarching communal goal to eradicate or ameliorate fundamentalist extremism and that the only purpose of having any sort of a belief in their eyes is in order to try to tamp or ameliorate the the extremists and it strikes me that for those people who have those moderate beliefs their existence is not built around that same goal their purpose in life is not simply to undercut the more extremists they believe what they believe because they at least feel that that serves them Hmm. and you know Maybe maybe it serves them, and maybe it doesn't. I, uh, I, I think this is a place where I can pretty fairly say it's not my business. I mean, we're 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 speaking specifically about the moderates, and I, I I think we're kind of being drawn into a pretty interesting position here, which uh, is that of inverse evangelicism. <laughs> what, what what do you mean by inverse evangelicism? Right. So evangelicism is just like we believe these certain things, and we think that we should share that belief and make ev- everyone else believe that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is very common in the extremist fundamentalists. Um, Take for example, I mean, even even as far as just like Catholics, my and I'm not not supposing all Catholic Catholics, of course, but at least some that I've had experience with. My my aunt, who lives in D.C., um, sent me a prayer rock for Christmas. Oh right, I'm <laughs> which for the audience there, a prayer rock. Uh, so, what the description said was that it's a rock and you're supposed to put it on your pillow so that when you go to bed, you bang your head on the rock. And that reminds you, through the physical pain, of course, that 
it's time to pray. And so then you throw the rock on the ground angrily and you get up and you pray and then you go to bed. And then in the morning when you wake up, you get out of bed and you stub your toe on the rock. And then through the physical pain, it reminds you it's time to pray. <laughs> now, <laughs> now she sent me this rock and she knows that I'm not a Christian. She knows I don't believe. And she sent it anyway, you know, with like quotes and Bible verses saying like, and Jesus said, follow me. And everyone who followed him was super happy. Um, and, and so I, I, I wrote her a thank you note. I said, thank you. I appreciated your letter and I'm not a Christian and I don't ever intend to be one. So I'm probably going to throw the rock outside, but thank you very much. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Um, to which she wrote back another letter where she didn't say anything, which was uh, unusual for her, but she, all it contained was like Bible verses. <laughs> wow. Uh, what what the de denomination is she? Do you know? She's, I, I mean, she's a Catholic. Oh, she's Catholic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is my experience with, Christian evangelicism, right? It's uh, this person believes very strongly that I and everyone else should share her particular faith and has the strong conviction based on whatever, probably not reason, probably more uh, other elements has led her to this conviction that she should she has a moral imperative to share that belief and, and, and spread that belief with other people through whatever means possible, even even violence, apparently, or not quite violence, but physical, physical pain, pain. <laughs> <laughs> self-inflicted violence, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, this is this is, I guess, another example of, of I think maybe maybe both of us not quite wrapping her heads around or around what she probably actually believes. So, I mean, like she, she said the reason she's I'm projecting here, but, but I would, I would guess that the reason part of the reason that she's, you know, trying to convert you and get the message to you is that she's worried about you like burning in hell because you didn't, you know, um, follow the, the good book. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, that that is a distinct possibility, or I don't know to what it, I mean. Who who am I to say that maybe she doesn't believe it? Maybe she's just doing it because it's the social pattern that has been afflicted inflicted upon her, and mm -hmm. now she's repeating it because she doesn't know what else to do or how else to express herself. Who am I to say that it's not a a genuine belief that is built around genuine concern for my soul or whatever yeah yeah and yeah and I, yeah and i shouldn't project too much it's, it's obviously it's hard to figure out what anyone but you're right it's a it's a distinct possibility least. that that's what yeah. she yeah i mean this is this is also the the new atheists talk about this a lot with with regards to to islam definitely that like in the west it's it's hard for people to 
a lot a lot of people want to ascribe other reasons to why people commit suicide bombings and that kind of thing right like you know anger at colonialism or or that kind of thing Mm. and um you know those things are definitely in play but i think in the vast majority of the cases like the people actually believe that they're doing the right thing in the eyes of god and all that and Mm. and you know they believe they're going to heaven and, and all that stuff and um but you know again it's hard to it's hard to hard to say yeah it is if you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. So would you consider yourself an invert <laughs> inverse evangelist, inverted evangelist? I don't know. <laughs> so so that's the thing is I definitely would not. Um, and I, I would consider these militant atheists to be inverse evangelists. <laughs> um, <laughs> evangelists? I don't know. Um, evangelists. I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> be, because they seem to feel that they there's a moral imperative for them to spread their particular not belief or their particular worldview that includes this lack of a belief mhm yeah and i think you can you know you can postulate like a bunch of different reasons for that but i think i think the one of the main ones is just looking at kind of the sweep of history and how much pain and suffering and war and all that stuff has been has been caused in the name of of religion and and religious conflict mm. i I, th- I think the thinking goes you know if we if we could somehow get rid of religion it would cut down on all those things you could argue that maybe those things would happen anyway because mm-hmm. people are stupid <laughs> but um <laughs> and there's limited resources and all that stuff mm. but um yeah so there's that argument and i think they you know you can just look at then there's like the impact it's having in modern society right um so like kind of like i mentioned you know abortion and and stem cell research and and climate change um especially with regards to like conservative uh christians in the u.s are are big things and then you know um there's the whole thing with islam and yeah, I mean, there's there's like a huge range of how you know women are treated in in Muslim societies mm. across the world, and so, and I think you know that the new atheists would would not be shy about like criticizing all of it, mm. you know, even if it's just the the hijab 
Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's 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 one of the other things is, is, is affecting. And you know, well, part of the other thing with Islam is there's there's stuff like uh, female genital mutilation, mm-hmm. which people refer to as as uh, FGM, which is just like truly, truly awful shit. Um, that's that's being done in some places in the name of 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 like fundamentalist islam definitely so i think i think yeah the the i th- i think they're you know they're thinking about about that that kind of mm-hmm. like very very intense impact on people's lives mm-hmm. that it's it's less easy to say you know just let people have their individual beliefs when stuff like that is happening yeah definitely so again this is this just goes to show how much they're more concerned with the extreme fundamentalists as opposed to belief in general or yeah i mean i i think i mean i think i think they are pretty opposed to the idea of belief in general right right maybe maybe they're opposed to all of it but it's because it's a reaction against the extremes right right if yeah if if the extremist ends of the spectrum didn't exist i I don't think they would be making you know nearly as much noise Mm mm-hmm so maybe this this is actually a good tie back into uh, just a little bit of my own background about what led this uh, devilish little sheep astray. <laughs> was it a wolf at the door? <laughs> oh, yes, it was a wolf at the door. <laughs> um, the door of my psyche. <laughs> Um, did, did he call you on the phone what <laughs> did, he, did he tell you all the ways he was going to mess you up what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a radio it's on oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> good one well played <laughs> so I was raised as you know in the Christian Science Church, the third church in Seattle, Washington. And my my mother was a pretty active participant. My father did not go to church and, you know, is not not a Christian. And I was uh raised through the church. I went through the Sunday school every day. And and something interesting about that church is they keep you in Sunday school until you're 20 so you never really go to wow. actual church until you're full grown adult um, that's kind of wild I didn't know anyone like kept people that late yeah now it's, it was actually a mixed experience for me it was not entirely negative um, and I think because of this uh, because my experience of the church was not so much indoctrination although of course with any uh, sort of ritualized religion there's some amount of indoctrination i mean of course there's you know there's the this is the week we're gonna learn this lesson about i don't know the concept of principle and how it relates to these bible quotes and what that means in terms of god you know that kind of stuff but um what was actually positive for me about this whole experience was it was a very small church 
And because of that, being in the Sunday school for years on end meant me and one adult getting to debate the nature of existence. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing when you think about it. <laughs> it was great for <laughs> like... a full hour every week. Just like theological uh exploration. How how old were you? Uh I mean when when I was since, since before I could walk all the way up, you know, petering off partway through high school, although I did still attend throughout. Mhm. Um but but what what it came down to was you know it was totally open discourse where i was allowed to ask questions and i eventually started asking the the obvious questions that uh occurred to me like well like but what if there isn't a god <laughs> and etc uh. <laughs> etc et yeah and so so having that opportunity to debate and explore and eventually come to my own conclusions, which for the most part, I would say that the people within the church uh, respected, which was that I decided there is no God. Mm -hmm. So I guess, I guess now, now might be a good time to, uh, to talk about the difference between being an atheist as it relates to not believing in God and how that intersects with spirituality because that's like a, a separate kind of somewhat related but but potentially completely separate thing definitely right? sure yeah yeah so so like going back to that that acid trip i talked about i, I don't think it it made it didn't make me think that god might exist it just it it showed me that there was some kind of other like realm of the mind to explore that would be connected to something we would probably like call the, the soul or, or consciousness or whatever. Mm. Like there's some, some kind of like, I mean, I, I like the, I like the term holy mystery cause mm. that's, you know, um, I feel like that's kind of, I mean, it's a mystery for now. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, kind of what I, I feel like consciousness is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, holy mystery doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we can never solve it or, or mm. that it's, Holy because it's unsolved, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm, I'm probably getting too bogged down. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's curious to me that because cause somehow holy to me implies like this divine ineffability, this sense that it is in certain senses untouchable. Uh, I mean, like, you know, um, if you think of what you would consider like a, like a holy text in some discipline, you know, like, I mean, for like, I mean, the one I'm thinking about right now is, is the book, um, behind bars by Elaine Gould for, uh, like music typesetting and, and, uh, music notation. Okay. <laughs> um, which I think a lot of people, you know, would consider like, you know, <laughs> air quotes on holy, but like a holy text for, for music engraving, just because like so many people swear by it. Um, I think, I think holy can also just mean like revered and seen as like central and important. I don't know if there necessarily has to be like mm. an element of, of like ineffability about it. Interesting. So yeah, this, this is a good segue because when I first left Christianity, I left it for the, 
sweet seductive arms of abject atheism of there is no god everything is just random chance and there's uh i don't know if i went so far as there is no meaning um i i probably embrace some some sense of that but uh i i I had to go through that as a phase before i could objectively approach this concept of spirituality without it being bogged down and muddled up in the doctrine of christianity yeah yeah it can be really hard to tease apart the difference and that was why it was so important for me to walk away from christianity in my own journey because it occurred to me and one of the most powerful and helpful thoughts for me during that time was that if these things i've been taught are true about christianity then i should be able to walk away from them and if they're true i will in searching for the truth come back to them right right yeah and that was so freeing for me because it it let me realize that you know the pursuit of what one may call god or may very well call something else is not confined to a, a particular doctrine and so being free to explore alternate expressions opened up a whole new world to eventually allow me to come to what I feel is a much deeper, much richer understanding of that sort of divine spirituality or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Ineffability, infinite, infinity. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of feel like you have the freedom to actually just explore like what you think is true about the world. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think kind of going back to how hard it is to tease apart like what what you believe because you were brought up to believe it and you know how to tease apart religion and and spirituality i think another big concern of the new new atheists is that you know children are being indoctrinated to some extent or the other to believe these things and they what you know the older they grow believing those things the harder it is to to change their mind Mm. after a certain point Mm -hmm. right so i think that's that's kind of another another angle they'll they'll take Right, and, and of course for them there's the sort of objective sense that to be indoctrinated into a wrong a wrong belief, regardless of whether it's harmful or not, is a bad thing. Would you say that's true? Right. Yeah, well, def- definitely, you know, um, for them. I mean, I, they, you know, <laughs> they, they say a really common remark that people give upon, like, you know, giving up their faith or, or stopping, stopping their belief is that they just feel like they wasted so much time, mm. which I feel like sounds really harsh. Mm. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think it's entirely true. I mean, like, you know, if you're getting something out of it, I don't think it was, it was wasted time, but kind of like I was talking about, I think in our last episode, a couple episodes ago about, about, you know, like I have, I have a lot of respect for, you know, scholars and, and you know theologians and all that kind of thing who study these texts but but like laboring over like you know 
the definitions of certain Greek words and translations and stuff and trying to derive your meaning from that, I feel like is kind of a long shot mm. and that, that, that energy could be, could be spent elsewhere maybe. Sure. And, and I definitely agree in my own personal case that all of the bending over backwards and trying to twist this theological text into teaching me more about the world and more about what it is to be alive did not serve me. It was more of a distraction. Um, but I think as we, as we mentioned in that previous episode, I've also seen in other people how that very same contortion to, to fit the theological text into a meaningful worldview is absolutely essential for that person. Um, it, it, it's sort of like a, a focus, a means for them to derive more meaning. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, to kind of go back to the argument that that history would have been so much less bloody and painful if religion hadn't been there. Mm. I mean, it also would have been a lot, you know, a bunch of other things wouldn't have happened, right? Mm. And a lot of people's lives probably would have been a lot less good. You know, you can't you can't just say that all this awful stuff stuff happened and therefore it's all you know, it's it's all garbage and, and we would have been better off without it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it's like I I I it, it's 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 a challenging point because I do in general think that having a more objective rational view of the world is a better thing i i do i would say um to my hippie friends anyway i would say that i believe in the divine logos this greek concept that represents a sort of uh divine sense of logic of of the supreme value of that and how it can serve deepening your understanding of the world and improving life um, at the same time i know how intelligence and knowledge is a double-edged sword it's something that can really cut against you and do serious damage if if not treated with care and respect if not applied in a help helpful way and that's why i feel that it is valuable for the world or it can be valuable for the world for a large section of the populace to believe what they want to believe even if that is not based in logic right because you sometimes you just need to dull yourself from the sharp ruggedness of the world you need to shut yourself off from seeing things in such harsh light yeah yeah i had a couple of things to say let's see if i remember that oh, sorry um sorry well i think i think so so how how i would define god i think is i i always think about the um the alan that i always think about the alan watts quote where he's talking about the uh it's the at the end of the the contortionist album language mm -hmm. where he's talking about how you're 
Wait, your heartbeat is continuous with the ocean in the same way. In other words, that the so-called involuntary circulation of your blood is one continuous process with everything else that's going on. No, with with the stars shining. Even as you find out that it's you who circulates your blood, you will at the same moment find out that you are shining the sun because your physical organism is one continuous... Wait, no, I'm in the loop. I always screw that up. <laughs> okay, I got most, I got a large part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your, 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 your body is continuous with the energy system of the cosmos. Yeah, right. Yeah, like exactly. That. And then he goes, yeah. it's all you, yeah. only you're playing the game that you're only the spit of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you and I talking about this, like, I think pretty early on in like our, our <laughs> friendship. Yeah. <laughs> like debating it um but um i mean i think i think and i remember i was talking to aiden about it and he kind of like clarified because it's you know it's a very zen thing obviously with with alan watts um but the idea is that there is that kind of paradox duality there where you're simultaneously like you are everything and you are nothing mm. like it's it's just all one it's all one thing you know call it whatever you want but it's one thing yeah <laughs> you know um so that's that's kind of what I what I think about. It's like the one thing that like that's what you call God. It's just the, like the universe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that can be a meaningful concept of God. Yeah, yeah. I really like your I like your idea of of logos though as being God. That's mm. that's interesting. You connect it to like rationality. Yeah. Well, and, and that's not my idea. Even that's something that was really deeply understood by the ancient Greeks. Marcus Aurelius talks about this in some depth. Oh yeah, that's interesting. And I think I first heard about the term from either Alan Watts or Terence McKenna. Mm-hmm. I think I think Alan Watts. Interesting. I guess so so you can talk about you know the effects for in- individual people. Right, but I think you have to consider it at scale and consider what happens when when a lot of people aren't aren't following these kind of logical principles that you're that you're talking about. Mm. So if you look at a lot of fundamentalists, right, the only they only make one logical error and it's believing in the text, right? Because after that, like if you if you if you have that as your one axiom, right, mm. then you're totally justified in you know by logic of thinking that it's all true right because your one axiom is that this book is true (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah so someone can have a totally like coherent like seemingly coherent world world worldview like internally coherent uh but since it's based on something that's likely not uh reality it it's kind of out of whack and it's, and it's so easy to, to, for, for humans to, to kind of fall into that pattern. Yeah. I definitely think there is uh, uh, a lot of truth there, but I would say that there is maybe more than one error there because the first error is just believing, but the second error comes from if you have a text that is in itself contradictory to itself, and if you have that, then 
Well, I don't know. I guess I can't speak definitively here because paradoxes are part of the nature of existence. So maybe you could work that into your worldview um, and and thusly make sense of the contradictions within the, the source material. Yeah, yeah. Contradictions are, are interesting because they, I mean, they, they show up in, in like, math and, and science too and they sometimes they can help us you know figure out <laughs> how, how the world works in a way because they make us think think differently totally i think the the concept of like a duality of two things being true at the same time that are in and of themselves contradictory of each other is is something mm-hmm. that happens in real life <laughs> strangely enough mm-hmm. yeah because our 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 logical model of the universe isn't yet perfect enough to get all those, all those worked out. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, or or maybe it's also possible that logic while being divinely like imperative, really, you can't like have a debate or an argument without trying to call upon logic even so, it seems like there may be some things that simply are not resolvable, that the fundamental nature of existence is at times that of a paradox. Right? It, couldn't you see the world as being the play between on and off, the play between harmony and dissonance, and the dissonance being represented as contradiction? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also possible that, you know, um, when we get some entity that's an order of magnitude more intelligent than us, it'll it'll look at our logic that we've developed and be like, haha, that's cute. <laughs> it's not right at all. Like, it's way more nuanced than that. Yeah, um, that, yeah um, totally. Uh, sorry to jump in again, um, but that leads to a really interesting point as well, which is something I read some time ago in college in some sort of like random theoretical physics related book I picked off the shelf at the library um, <laughs> <laughs> or some sort of text. Anyway, uh, which made the point that to resolve a paradox, you can typically do this by transcending the number of diven- dimensions involved. Wow. So, so like take take this into the example of like physical space where you know we've talked about this before where you have like a three-dimensional object passing through a two-dimensional world right it's a world of flatlanders just flat people right and to those flatlanders it seems totally incongruous there's this let's say it's a cone and so it's uh going flat ways first so first they see a big circle randomly appear and then just randomly get smaller and then disappear. Totally, absolutely yeah. doesn't make sense for for the people in this flatland world. But if you then consider, right. if, you, if you understand the world in a way that takes the z-axis into account, then it's the simplest thing ever. Right, right. Yeah, our, 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 in, our intuitions are just cut out for, for three dimensions. Mm-hmm. For now. <laughs> I guess so so um 
yeah i mean one thing that we haven't even talked about yet is is the relationship between between religion and and homosexuality right right so there's our and also i mean yeah transgender issues and all that stuff right there's our political sticking issue as it relates to religion yeah yeah and uh yeah i mean it's it's another um it's it's another place where the the new atheists like to criticize islam Hmm. a lot because or 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 rather like kind of point out the hypocrisy of liberal activists who are saying we have to respect the religious beliefs of you know islam islamic fundamentalists and at the same time be campaigning against homosexuality or uh campaigning against homophobia <laughs> like do, do you see the like how how significant do you think that conflict is i mean or contradiction it's it's not something i can decredit at all i think that sam harris and the rest of these guys have really valuable point kind of going back into what we were talking about in the sam harris episode with yasmin mohammed where he makes some i think very compelling arguments that uh yeah you know and there's the the s the interview with yasmin mohammed where she you know starts to cry and you know tears up and says that uh when sam harris up on stage said you know, pointed out these injustices of how uh, women are being treated within uh, a majority of Muslim culture that she felt that that was so moving because it was him recognizing that those women over there, they're not other, they're people, they're just like us, they're part of us. And I, th- I thought that was so incredibly touching, and uh, so I definitely can't discredit this conviction on Sam Harris's part. Yeah, yeah, and uh, anyone who hasn't heard it should go back and, and listen to the the Sam Harris episodes we did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of the same the same territory, and it, a lot of it's you know how do you. Um, uh, yeah, obviously any change that's going to happen in any of these religions has to come in some sense from the inside. Right. Um, and, and Sam Harris has worked with this, this guy, Majid Nawaz, who, who is still, you know, he's, he's still a Muslim, but he's, he's progressive and he tries to, you know, um, as I think a formal, former radical himself tries to kind of, uh, deescalate people and, kind of moderate them but i think one of the things uh ion her ion her was saying in, in this panel discussion was that in some sense there does need to be some outside agitation because in some religions like in her in her case she, she you know she left islam um you know if if you you know, if if you say the wrong things in in those circumstances, it can be like physically dangerous mm. for you. Right, and so there has to be some. Yeah, there's some necessity for like outside, you know, c- criticism that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, although you know, I, yeah, I, 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 it's definitely, it's definitely more 
likely to work when it's coming from someone within the culture rather than just like some random mm. middle-aged white dude right complaining <laughs> yeah right so, so, so that's really interesting to me because we see pretty commonly this approach of uh you know people within the new atheism vein who see this problem and so the way that they try to sway other people's opinion is through rhetorical debate um but it seems to me to come very often in a kind of a critical way in i mean and i i don't mean this only in like tone but like literally i think one of the videos that you sent me sam harris says like you know in order to believe the things in i don't know the bible or the quran you have to be either an idiot or a lunatic are the two words he used. And Yikes. it yeah. doesn't seem very encouraging to me. It doesn't seem very supportive of individuals trying to progress out of such a situation. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely like a criticism you can make of, of all of these new atheist new atheist people is that they're is that they might not be having the effect they think they're having. Kind of like we were talking about with the IDW mm-hmm. guys. It's like they they obviously have the intent of of moving a lot of people away from religion, but yes, yeah, so some of their methods are are questionable. I think I think I think part of their approach is to just kind of like shock people right. <laughs> into like considering the issue differently than they probably would have considered it before. Because mm-hmm. like they're right, no one you know, no one says shit like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it definitely does shed some light though and i think maybe despite them having this very raw uh, aggressive approach that maybe having western audiences exposed to that is maybe a helpful way to shock us into caring or paying attention but that uh the way actually of helping people is maybe less along those lines like you were saying some of the change definitely does have to come from within the culture you know we can't externally force another group of people to believe a certain way except for from like you know totalitarianism right (laughs) yeah um so that maybe the approach rather than trying to force through bullying or whatever uh, sort of raw caustic approach is helpful for Western audiences or may be helpful, I don't know. Uh, Rather than doing that, maybe to lend support to individuals who are looking to get away from that repressive fundamentalist culture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a lot of a lot of what what people like Ayan Hirsili and Yasmin Muhammad are doing. Mm. Uh because because within Islam, you know, if you if you leave the faith, you're you're considered an apostate. This of course this is like, you know, um kind of fundamentalist Islam or conservative Islam. Um and and you know, it's something that a crime that that's punishable by death potentially Mm -hmm. and so um yeah especially if you're kind of high profile like either of these two women it's you know um i think ayan hersili 
talked about you know her her apartment being bazooka proof like not just bulletproof but like bazooka proof because she you know they were so worried and and you know i think i think she also said she had to move because her neighbors were were you know like rightly concerned about the about just the security risk because their you know their apartments or houses you know weren't weren't bazooka proofed right um so yeah it's in that case there definitely are are like networks and and support Mm. systems for people who who are are like already thinking about about leaving wow yeah that's that's potent it's kind of hard to wrap my head around that kind of state of being where you actually have to worry about things like bazookas yeah yeah um Maybe also, though, um, in cases where such extreme violence is less less of an issue, maybe, for example, with uh, fundamentalist Christians within the U.S. or, or with uh, more moderate Muslim cultures, for a way that people in the West could help is just to show that there can be a welcoming environment, a community that supports its individuals but is not rooted to any particular fundamentalist doctrine yeah yeah and, and of course of course the the big concern with, with islam especially is is in the u.s is islamophobia right which mm-hmm. is definitely like a real problem mm-hmm. and you know there are hate crimes that happen and I, yeah I, th- I think that is like the main concern of people who are who are kind of slow to criticize islam is they don't want to fuel more violence Mm -hmm. against perfectly peaceful muslims in the u.s and i i I do think it is kind of an open question how significant the effects are there um i I can look it up but i think like in most years maybe like all years like hate crimes against jews like far outstrip islamophobic Mm. hate crimes not to not to say that you know that that both of them aren't aren't issues but like the the magnitude of it is um is is comparable at least so so you're saying that maybe it would be more helpful to be more vocal even at the risk of incurring more hate crimes because the potential payoff of being more vocal is to help a lot of more people out of dangerous situations right Right. And I, I mean, that's obviously that's like a really uncomfortable uncom- trade off to make. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so imperfect and there's no way to know. Yeah. You know how, how much you're doing in either direction. Right. As we've talked about with a lot of these a lot of these things, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to know what impact certain beliefs are going to have on on like a society scale. Yeah, definitely. And so going back to an earlier point in this conversation, this kind of speaks to why I don't feel that I am a inverse evangelist. Uh, and this really struck me just not long ago, actually in response to getting that prayer rock from my aunt. It was just so painfully evident for me that this woman really, really cares about what I believe, and it's trying actively to change that. And it just kind of struck me. It was very alien 
kind of surreal thing to realize because it suddenly occurred to me that that is so far from my own experience of the world. I am happy, you know, for the most part. I am doing well. I don't feel like I need to be saved. Um, and I don't care what some other lady somewhere else believes about things. You know, I, I thought I could write her back. I could do passive-aggressive things. I could send her uh, the, that video of Tim Minchin doing a stand-up bit about anal sex and God, or like the, <laughs> I could send her the complete box set of the atheist experience radio show of people calling in and getting bashed to bits trying to prove that there's a God. And I realized I don't, I don't care. <laughs> it's not my business. I, I, I mean, if she, I mean, obviously, I think her experience and probably the experience of the pe- experiences of the people close to her would be a, maybe a lot more happy if she were to abandon the whole Christianity thing and, you know, go back to the core of it of like loving thy neighbor and that kind of stuff, but you know, it's not really affecting me. I am going to separate myself as I have been from, uh, this person as, you know, she's not a major part of my life. She lives far away and I don't really engage with her. So, uh, that's just, uh, basically the only ramification of, of her trying to indoctrinate me is that it's pushed me away from her. And, you know, I don't necessarily miss that. Yeah, so y- y'all don't have like a super, super deep relationship. No, and 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 that's the thing too, because they're really what what I don't think there's a room for a deep relationship when Jesus is shoving his way in there. <laughs> Remember to leave room for Jesus when you dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus really likes to get in there and grind, so make sure to leave leave some room for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i guess i guess one the one thing i'll say is like so i mentioned my mom is a minister and and she believes that that re- religion actually is kind of just dying out i mean if, if you look at if you look at you know i mean specifically with within christianity right i mean it's it's like a stereotype that the congregations tend to be a lot older mm-hmm. and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and yeah i mean way, way less people in our generation have have these beliefs and i think it's um yeah, it might just be only a matter of time before religion is 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 not nearly as significant a, for, a force as uh, as it is today. I think so. So Dan Dennett was saying he's the like Santa Claus looking guy with the, the beard. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he he was saying that he thinks religion will change more in the next. I'm gonna get it not exactly right. Something like religion religion is gonna change more in the next hundred years than it has in the last two millennia, mm. and then it's gonna change in the next twenty years more than it did in the twentieth century. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So he, he thinks like there's gonna be like a like a sea change with how we relate to religion just because of of things like the internet and and science that have kind of proliferated knowledge and made it way easier for people to figure things out for themselves. Wow. That's a really staggering thought actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I have to agree with him. Like I, I, this is, this is totally uncharted territory for, for the human race. <laughs> wow. 
What a time to be alive. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get into the question of like, why, why, why is religion like universal among all the world's cultures? Basically, like, why does? Yeah. Why does why why do people always always develop it? Yeah, that's almost like a a whole another episode right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like another another question. I guess uh, w- w- one more thing for uh, so I, I think just to go to finish on this idea of of like spiritual versus like like believing in God versus having some kind of sense of spirituality. Again, I think I think Sam Harris kind of stands apart here because I don't really hear any of the other people in this circle talking about about spirituality in the same way, or you know, like a the idea of a contemplative life or you know, knowing the mind that kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it is really important to, to, to say that, yeah, spirituality can have a basis in kind of em- empirical knowledge and data and just th- things that you can like observe just about being a person, about being a conscious being like that's, that's where spirituality has its roots mm-hmm. ultimately. Right? Definitely. Yeah, there's a, a really rich and valuable creative inquiry, just exploring what it is to be here, what it is to exist, that can be done entirely in conjunction with logic. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally.